You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors, everyone. I'm Corey Janoff, joined as always by Rochelle Vanderzanden. Hey, everybody. And it is November when we're recording this and likely when we release this too, which is Long-Term Care Awareness Month. So we're going to talk about long-term care insurance, an exciting, riveting topic. Uh, all insurances are exciting and riveting. Um, and uh, and by that, I mean not fun to talk about. But uh, important stuff because, uh, you know, there's certain insurances that, that many people do need and that can really you know, be of benefit to them to protect against adverse financial circumstances. So this could be relevant to some of you, maybe more imminent for some of you than others, but uh, definitely not too early to at least uh, develop some awareness of it to get an idea of when you might want to start thinking of it. And from a statistical standpoint, um, the majority of you will need some form of long-term care. I think over 70% of people at some point in their life will need some sort of long-term care, and uh, you know, most likely when you're older, but I think about a quarter of, of the people who need it are, are under the age of 65. So um, hopefully that's not the case for you, but, uh, but yeah, there's a good chance you'll need some sort of assistance later in life, and um, we're going to dive into that and, and how to potentially uh, protect against the, the high cost of that today. Right, Rochelle? Yeah, absolutely. I think for a lot of people that are younger, it also impacts their parents and they see that before they ever see it impact themselves. And like the cost of care and everything like that has changed a lot over the last few decades. For so, so, you know, for those of you with older parents or parents that are kind of approaching that age, it might be something to consider for them too. Because obviously, a lot of times your parents' situation becomes your situation. Um, and it may depend on if you have siblings, how close you live to them, and all of that kind of stuff. But this can definitely be something that, that affects you in multiple ways. So I think first we're going to start out just by covering some basics of what long-term care is. And then we'll talk a little bit about the insurance, like who may need it, who can probably skip it, what it looks like, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so in terms of basics of like what long-term care is – Usually it's either medical or non-medical assistance, not necessarily like help with medicines and things like that, but all sorts of assistance to help a person who can't perform some or all of the activities of daily living. So transferring, feeding, dressing, bathing, continence, toileting, all of that kind of stuff. And it can apply if you are in a facility of some kind, like a nursing care facility or an assisted living facility, or if you're at home and you just need help at home. So it can be either of those things. Um... I think we're going to cover just some basic statistics so so you all realize how common this is and how costly it can be. But one thing to note is that if you at some point are admitted to a care facility, I think there's like a 50-50 shot that you're there for over a year. But on average, like women who are admitted into a care facility 
last like 3.7 years in a facility, which is a long time to be there. And the the average for men right now is about 2.2 years. And I think that's a lot of that is related to life expectancy and things like that. And those averages can be misleading because, you know, there's a chunk of people that are there for longer than five years, a chunk of people who are maybe there only six months. So really, you don't know. Like, that's one thing that's really hard when we're talking about insurances and we're trying to plan for these long-term things is that we don't necessarily know what this looks like. But we do know that that cost of care is very high and that there is a likelihood that you will experience it at some point. The costs also vary dramatically depending on where you live, depending on what kind of facility you want to be in. Um, I think that when we're looking at averages, you may not want to live in an average facility. You know, if you've gotten used to a certain standard of living, you may want to be in a, in a facility that like kind of mirrors that standard of living for you. Um, you want to go through some of the average costs real quick, Corey? I feel like I've been talking long enough for a minute. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and, um, and and depending on what source you look at, the statistics can vary. Um, but, you know, and the progression, you know, it's, it's not like one day you wake up and you all of a sudden need full-time long-term care. Maybe if you're, you know, in an accident or have some, like a stroke or something, but um, you know, for many people, it's a progressive thing. And you may, like Rochelle mentioned earlier, you may have seen this with your grandparents or possibly parents um, where, you know, they, they start, you know, it, it, it's tougher to, to do things uh, that they normally do during the day. And, and usually they don't need full time help, but just a little bit of help, you know, and, and that's often provided by a spouse or, or a child. Um, but then eventually it gets to a point where where the helpers um aren't able to to provide the level of or uh, care that is needed and, and you ultimately need to hire someone maybe just part-time initially in the home you know hey we need help in the morning getting you know up and and and, and ready for the day and then you know in the evening the the spouse or sibling can or, or, or child can help out but then eventually it, it probably progresses to assuming you keep living to uh, not to be morbid, but um, to, to full time in home and, and eventually it gets to a point where it's not really safe or practical to be in your home and you ultimately need to be in a facility, whether that be an assisted living facility where, you know, you can still kind of function um, on your own, but you definitely need the assistance or, or a nursing home where you're, you're pretty much 24 seven need some help. Um, and obviously the cost goes up, the, the higher the level of care that you need for just in-home care again costs vary and they can vary widely by region if you're in a more expensive city it's probably going to cost more than in a a less expensive area of the country but you know 20 25 dollars an hour was kind of the averages that we were seeing um in a, a nursing home uh, you're looking at about 250 dollars a day or, or you know about a hundred thousand a year for an average uh, nursing home for a private room um, they do have some that are semi-private rooms where you're sharing, you have a roommate, but um, you know, I'm guessing most of you listening are, are probably going to want the private room, would, would be my uh, guess. Um, so, you know, when we're talking the averages and average duration of stays, you know, we're talking in today dollars, you know, two, three hundred thousand or more that, that you're potentially going to be spending on that care. Um, and that's going to increase over time with inflation, 
and, and due to population demographics, you know, there's a, an increasingly increasing percentage of our population is older and a decreasing percentage is younger. So it, a lot of people speculate that, that some of those costs of care for, you know, it's mostly older people that need the costs of care, that, that cost is going to rise faster than typical inflation because the demand is just increasing more and more every single year. So those are the, the stats for you. Now let's talk about the insurance side of the equation or anything yeah, else. And we'll that? talk in a sec. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't think so. It, obviously it's somewhat depressing to think about, <laughs> but it is what it is. I think that this is something that's part of life, you know, aging and, and all of that kind of stuff. But there are insurances that you can potentially get to kind of offset some of those pretty enormous costs. Um, and we'll talk in a second about like whether it makes sense to get insurance or not. But just to review some of the basics of what long-term care insurance looks like, there are a few different types. And this industry has kind of evolved a lot over the last few decades just because as care itself has changed, as you know, life expectancy has changed and things like that, insurance companies have absolutely had to make some adjustments to, to the products that they sell. But long-term care insurance is a lot like disability insurance. You know, disability insurance is generally designed to protect you during your working years and maybe get you to retirement age. But long-term care insurance is designed mostly for people who are not ever going to be working again, who are maybe older, not necessarily. It could be like a disability that you have somehow um, gotten or like something like that. But um, when you are looking at insurance, it's – you typically have to be fairly healthy to get it, just like with disability insurance, just like with life insurance. So there's going to be an underwriting process where the insurance carrier is going to look at your health. Once in a while, people have access to insurance like this through work. It's not very typical, but sometimes if you can get it through work, there might be less medical underwriting or less medical review. Generally, with most products, there's going to be like a maximum dollar amount per month or per day that you can access. There may also be like a maximum benefit pool. So maybe it's like we will provide up to $7,000 per month, up to a total of $150,000 of coverage. After that, you're kind of on your own. So if you have a, a policy like that, it may limit the financial impact to you, but it's not going to remove it altogether. So there's definitely some financial impact that you would need to be prepared to kind of, you know, take on yourself as well. Um, you can also potentially get what's called an inflation rider on a long-term care policy, which means, you know, we expect the cost of care to go up over time. So obviously, if we have an inflation rider, that will be very helpful because that, that monthly benefit or that lifetime maximum may increase over time as that cost of care increases. There are also some policies that are like dual policies. So they can be for spouses where, you know, it can be a pooled benefit that you both have access to. So that way, you know, if one spouse needs a lot of care and the other doesn't, that can be a really beneficial way to kind of maximize the benefit that, that you have access to. Um, those can be structured a few different ways. So not necessarily exactly like that, but lots of different ways that they can be structured. And there are a lot of... Yeah, go I ahead. Say, jumping in on the structuring, it's, you know, I think we've talked about disability insurance before and many of you have it and are sort of familiar with it. It's, it's kind of similar in that you can design these policies 
to meet whatever need or desire you have and to fit within whatever budget you have. Obviously, the more benefits you want, um, the more cost you're going to pay. Uh, but you can structure things to be smaller. You know, maybe we don't need to cover the entire cost of our expected care, but at least offset it to some degree. So there's definitely a, a policy structure out there for everyone. Absolutely. Yep. And some insurance products are like straight long-term care policies. That's what they are designed to protect you against. If you go into a care facility, this is it. There are other ones that are like you can secure permanent life insurance, which we've talked about before. You know, it's a bit more expensive <clears throat> than like term life insurance is, but can have some benefits. Once in a while, you can get permanent life insurance policies that have long-term care riders. So that really is a life insurance policy. Don't think about it as anything else, but there can potentially be some long-term care benefits. Again, those are usually somewhat limited in terms of what they're going to offer you. Um, you can also get policies that are designed to be both permanent life insurance and long-term care, which is a little bit different than having like permanent life insurance with a long-term care writer. It's like <laughs> very nuanced, but the dual products are designed to be both. You know, it, it's more like this is a long-term care policy, but if you do not use the long-term care benefit, there is also this death benefit that would be paid to your beneficiary if you were to pass away. So that is the life insurance component. With the straight long-term care products, most of the time, those are variable premiums, which means it may be fairly inexpensive when you're younger, but the cost will go up, and it's not just based on your age. It's based on like cost of care and things like that. So insurance companies will review the cost of care and they will increase it as needed to make sure that they can service the policies that they already have and pay benefits to the people that they already have. That was really, I think that there was a lot of time in the past few decades where insurance companies were having to increase premiums and, and charge people an enormous amount because the amount that they were having to pay out for their existing policies was much more than they expected because the cost increase of long-term care has not necessarily been linear. And like the number of people needing long-term care has not necessarily been linear. And that goes back to what Corey was talking about with just aging demographics, people living longer in care facilities, all of that kind of stuff. And long-term care is a relatively newer type of insurance. You know, like life insurance has been around for centuries, uh, maybe even more than centuries. But, uh, but long-term care really has only been around for a few decades. And um, you know, in order to run a profitable or at least you know, viable insurance company, you need to be collecting more in premiums than you're paying out in benefits. That's how insurance works. You know, your car insurance, statistically speaking, you're, you're not going to get in a serious car accident every single year or you know you may get in a fender bender once a decade on average but you know it's probably not going to be anything too serious you know but we get the car insurance in case we're in that serious uh event where there, there's a lawsuit at hand someone has medical expenses things like that uh relating to it and we're on the hook for hundreds of thousands of dollars um you know that you know you get home insurance in case your house burns down statistically it's not going to happen but there's a chance it, it will happen and that could be a pretty catastrophic financial event for you if it does so most insurance is like that low probability high risk events long-term care as we've learned over time is a high probability <laughs> high cost mm -hmm. event so it's not like one or two percent of people who are 
collecting claims. It's like 70% of people. The other thing that these companies, when they originally came out with long-term care products, didn't predict correctly, no fault of their own, you know, hard to predict the future, um, is that you know traditionally with insurance policies, a, a lot of people cancel their policies before they ever collect a claim. Long-term care wasn't the case. Like People would buy policies and hold on to them. And they didn't cancel them. They would get to the point where they were collecting claims. So a lot of these companies really um, misestimated and, and therefore mispriced their products, and you know it, it kind of created a lot of catastrophe for for long-term care companies. It started to get better where some companies just thrown their hands up and said, "We're not doing it anymore. We're out of this business." But the ones who are still in it, they they've you know got better statistics now that time has has passed and they, they've hopefully priced them more appropriately uh, to where they're more solvent and viable and, and can provide those promised benefits um, for people so you know, mm -hmm. odds are people and are I think there is their... also that yeah yeah but there's also a trend towards just minimizing or like you know creating a cap so if they do end up having to pay a benefit like the the amount that they could pay out ultimately is not going to be unlimited. And I, I think I've seen that with a, a few clients where, you know, they have policies that are very old and they are collecting claims now. And it's a lot, <laughs> you know, and they're like, I have one person who's who's fairly young and very healthy, but she's legally blind and she needs assistance. And sh there's no maximum on her policy. She's going to collect on that claim for a very long time for a very long time. And there's no maximum that she can collect from that policy. And luckily, it's like with a, a, a company that's been around for a long time, like they're not going anywhere. But they did not, like, you know, count on a lot of people making claims like that. That's for sure. Yeah. But uh, so that's the traditional long-term care. I think the, like, you mentioned the dual ones, Rochelle, those have become increasingly popular because one of the concerns that um, customers have when purchasing long-term care is, well, what if I don't need it? That's a lot of wasted money that I'm throwing away in premiums. Well, that's what insurance is. What if you don't you know, have major medical expenses? Why are you paying all this money in health insurance? What if you don't get in a car accident? What if your house doesn't burn down? That's, that's insurance for you. Expect to pay more than you're going to get back. Um, but it's a lot of money that you're paying in. So the life insurance products um, that, again, have become increasingly popular, it's kind of like, let's say you get a million-dollar policy. If you die, your family gets a million dollars. If you need long-term care, maybe we need $300,000 worth for long-term care. All right, we spend 300000 of the death benefit for long-term care, and our family gets the remaining 700000 So it's kind of an either-or, one way or another, you or your family is getting the money from that policy, but they're not cheap. Permanent life insurance isn't cheap, um, but I think the life insurance companies from a statistical perspective are probably in a better position um, to price out their policies because they they've have a lot more historical data. So they know they're going to be paying out that million dollars. It's just a matter of when and whether they have to pay it at, you know, age 80 for, for some long-term care or, you know, age 90 for a death. It's, uh, they, they know that what they're on the hook for so they can price it accordingly. Um, anything else there, Rochelle? I don't think so. I, you know, if you are looking into products like this, do research 
a lot of it. Like it, it's not something you should cut corners on for sure. Um, in general, I think that it's also not something that's appropriate for everyone. Not everyone needs long-term care insurance. And um, there's there's this middle group of people that I think probably need it the most. But in general, if you think you're on track to fully fund retirement and then some, you are planning on having extra money when you pass away, you may be in a really good position to self-insure. And generally, like we talk about that a lot, like if you can self-insure something, you probably should because in general, you pay out more for insurance than you get as a benefit. Like that's how insurance companies stay afloat. We just talked about that a little bit. But if you have some other goals, like even if you think you will have extra wealth, but you want to make sure you pass that on to your family or you want to make sure that you protect that wealth for future generations, it could still be a very good idea to look at a long-term care insurance product just to pr- create like some asset protection. Because in reality, if you expect to have a, a great deal of assets at the end of your life and and you are in a position where you have to be in a long-term care situation for a long time, that is a great way to spend down that extra money. Like it can suck it up pretty quickly. So that can be a situation where maybe you're willing to self-insure, maybe you want to get some coverage just to protect that wealth totally up to what your goals are more than anything at that point. Um, the other situation where you likely don't need long-term care insurance, and hopefully none of you are in this position, but potentially older generations in your family might be, but if you're fully reliant on Social Security income and you don't have a lot of it every month and you don't have a lot of assets or you have very few assets, if you spend down basically all of your assets, at some point you would likely qualify for Medicaid to help you pay for a long-term care coverage. Um, And Medicaid is not Medicare. Those are two different things. So Medicare is what you are offered as an older retiree for health insurance purposes, but Medicare does not cover long-term care, or it covers like a very, very, very tiny, tiny amount. Medicaid is need-based health coverage that you can qualify for if you don't have income or if you have very, very, very little income. And when it kicks in for a long-term care is if you, you have basically no assets, you have very little income, and it's the government stepping in to pay some of the cost of that care. So it's it, it's not for people who are in a good financial situation. Like if you're in a good financial situation, you don't qualify for that, period. <laughs> like you have to spend everything you own pretty much until then. There's some protection for like a primary residence, but it that's not even guaranteed. It depends on if you could potentially go back to that primary residence, if you have a spouse living in that primary residence. So not a great situation, but could be possible, you know, like especially for parents if, you know, they haven't been in a good financial situation early on in their lives. It may not make sense to look at long-term care coverage for them if you think that that's the situation they're going to be in. But if you think you're not going to be destitute, (laughs) if you think you're not going to have a bunch of wealth you can tap into at some point for long-term care, that could be a good place where you're thinking that you may need to to protect, you know, some of your your income as a retiree, especially, you know, if you have a spouse, so that you're in a good position to be able to pay for that if needed. Yep. Now, when is the right time to get it? Um, if you think you might want it or need it. Um, for traditional long-term care policies, uh, a lot of companies won't offer them to people under the age of 40. So, you know, probably your 40s would be 
you know, the earliest that you would start looking at it, but, you know, realistically, maybe in your 50s um, is probably the more ideal time. Once you get near your 60s, it starts to get pretty pricey, and health issues could make it challenging to qualify for. But, you know, like all health-related insurances, it's easier to get when you're younger and healthier and less expensive when you're younger and healthier, so we just have to kind of figure out what's that optimal time for our circumstances uh, that, that, you know, fits within the budget and um, and whatnot. But, um, and, and depending on what type of policy you're wanting to secure, whether it's a traditional long-term care policy, again, you know, those you probably wouldn't look at until you're at least 40 or, um, or, or one of those hybrid ones. Um, you know, it kind of, you could look at that a little bit sooner because the life insurance will be cheaper if you lock it in when you're younger. Now, an interesting thing that'll be curious to see how this plays out as time goes on. There's some states that have implemented mandatory long-term care, um, I guess, laws or provisions where, uh, like I know, yeah, like the state of Washington is one close to where Rochelle and I are that um, they did it a what year ago or two years ago. It's kind of been a mess, but um, but long story short. They have a state-provided fund. So think of it like Social Security, but at the state level, like a state pension, where you're, you you they add a payroll tax. You know, so you you would have more taxes taken out of your paycheck at work, and it goes to put money into this long-term care fund. And then if you are in a position where you need long-term care, you've got some benefits available through the state-provided long-term care fund. You know, just like Social Security. Um, now, they, they allowed people to opt out of that state one if they had their own private long-term care policy, and the private one had to meet certain minimum requirements. Um, you couldn't just get a dollar of insurance and opt out. So, But uh, but I know there's, I think, probably a dozen other states that are have something similar in the works. I could be wrong on this. I'm, I don't follow everything closely across the country. I'm not really into politics, personally. But... Um, funny that this has become politicized but uh but anyway so something to be mindful of you know your state may uh enact some sort of mandatory long-term care requirement uh in the near or distant future Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that if that does happen in the state of washington it was messy messy as people were trying to secure insurance so that they could potentially like opt out of that tax especially for people who were potentially moving out of state at some point because if you moved out of state as as far as the washington law was concerned you wouldn't qualify for benefits at any point even if you had paid into that fund um but it was hard for people to get policies and get them in a timely manner in order to qualify for that exemption so if you think it's possible that that may happen in your state if that's something you're interested in looking into i would look into it as soon as you physically are able to do so (laughs) because it it was quite a pain for people to try to get policies in a timely manner so they could qualify for that exemption. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's something you should do. But if you want all of your options, it's something that you would want to look into sooner than later. Um, I think in general with this topic, it's one of those things where I think some insurance we we talk about, it's like, you need this, period. You do. (laughs) Like health insurance, whatever it is. Long-term care is not necessarily so straightforward. So it's something to really like sit down, figure out your goals, figure out your needs and and talk to someone about it, you know, and start thinking about it for your parents too because that that may have a big impact on you even if you don't necessarily expect it to. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Corey? No, I think that's a good overview. We didn't get too far into the weeds. So let us know if you have questions about long-term care or anything else and uh, appreciate you you listening to the show you know share it with your friends or anyone else you think might enjoy it and uh, we'll talk to you next time thanks for listening we would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover you can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance, or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group LLC.